Hey there everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Med Talks. I'm Sahil, and I'm a junior doctor working in the NHS. So since we heard the sad news that Boris Johnson was taken into intensive care at St Thomas's Hospital last week, I've had a few friends asking me about what that actually means. Lots of people who stay well clear of hospitals want to know the difference between care on the ward and care in the intensive care unit. So in this episode, I'll give you all a breakdown into what the intensive care unit is and why patients may have been transferred over there. So an intensive care unit, or an ICU, is a specialist area of the hospital, which provides much closer monitoring and more specialist treatment for those patients that are critically ill. On a normal ward, there is usually one nurse looking after several patients, let's say six to ten patients. These patients are usually fairly stable, and so only one nurse often assisted by healthcare assistants, is needed. But of course, there are lots of nurses on the wards, which means that if help is ever required, then the nurses can call on each other for that. Now compare this to the intensive care unit, which has one-to-one nursing. So every patient is dedicated to an ICU-trained specialist nurse caring for them. That nurse will be continuously monitoring the patient, so checking their vital signs, which means looking at the breathing rate or respiratory rate, their oxygen saturations, so how much oxygen they are getting into their body, the heart rate, so how quickly the heart is beating, blood pressure, and the body temperature. These are the five vital signs that are most frequently monitored in the hospital. Now on a ward, if patients are stable, then they usually have these signs checked by the nurses or the healthcare assistants every four hours. And this can be increased if they are becoming more unstable. Whereas on the ICU, patients are attached to the monitoring machines so that they can be continuously monitored 24 hours a day. And it is so important that these signs are being monitored continuously because any changes in them can suggest that the patient may be deteriorating or even possibly improving. So why may a patient be admitted to the intensive care unit? The most common reasons for admission to the ICU are after a severe trauma such as a road traffic accident, severe head injuries, severe burns which require aggressive fluid replacements, severe infections which are also known as sepsis, after a major surgery. Now with COVID-19 we are seeing lots of patients being admitted to the intensive care unit. There is a lot of equipment on the ICU that is not readily available on the wards and mainly things like ventilators which are machines that provide mechanical ventilation for unwell patients who are unable to breathe for themselves and this gives the patient time to fight the infection it allows to allows the lungs to rest and it allows the body to recover patients in the ICU are connected to all sorts of tubes wires and cables so there are lots of intravenous lines So tubes going through your veins, which allows the team to administer medications straight into the bloodstream to have much quicker effects. And these include things like sedatives or medications that help to keep the blood pressure up. Patients may have urinary catheters inserted. And this allows the ICU team to closely monitor the urine output of the patient. And this gives a good indication of how well their kidneys are functioning and an indication of their overall status. Patients may have nasogastric tubes, which are tubes that go through the nose and sit in the stomach, and these are for feeding. This is vital for those patients who are on a ventilator or those who are too sedated to take food themselves. In cases which are extremely severe, 
there are life support machines called ECMO and this stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation and these machines can replace the function of the patient's heart and lungs whilst they're recovering. So if a patient's heart and lungs are unable to pump enough blood around the body and get enough oxygen around the body, they can be put onto these ECMO machines for a short period of time and there are a limited number of these machines around the country. So how long does a patient spend in the intensive care unit? Well, it's variable and it depends on the patient. Some may only need a few days of close monitoring and then they can be transferred back to the ward for further rehab, whereas others may spend weeks to months on the ICU. So how does a ventilator work? Now, in severe cases of coronavirus, it can cause damage to the lungs. The body's immune system detects this and it can ex expands the blood vessels so more immune cells enter. And this can cause lots of fluid to enter the lungs, making it harder to breathe, and it can cause the body's oxygen levels to drop. To alleviate this, a machine ventilator can be used to push air with increased levels of oxygen into the lungs. In order to attach the patient to the ventilator, a tube must be put through the mouth and placed into the airway, and this must be done under sedation. So in addition, the ventilator pushes out the waste gas carbon dioxide. In patients who are not able to breathe effectively, carbon dioxide gas can build up and this can lead to toxic effects, so it's important to clear this gas from the system. The ventilator also has a humidifier which adds heat and moisture to the air so that it's, it matches the patient's body temperature. So in order for the patient's breathing to be fully regulated by the machine, patients are given medications to sedate them and to relax their breathing muscles. Now, as we are innately programmed to spontaneously breathe for ourselves, being on an artificial breathing machine like a ventilator for a prolonged period of time is not ideal. So usually, the ICU team will try to wean the patient off the ventilator once they have adequately recovered from their illness in order to allow the patient to start spontaneously breathing again. Now, depending on the patient's condition, weaning may require multiple attempts, but the end goal is to get them breathing on their own again. Is everyone in the ICU on a ventilator? Not everyone who goes to the ICU is put on a ventilator. A ventilator is required when a patient is too unwell for, to breathe for themselves and so that is when the artificial breathing through the machine comes in. If patients are not yet at that stage of severity but they do require closer monitoring they can be transferred to the ICU and given intense oxygen therapy to help with their breathing and it appears that this was the case with Boris Johnson. So he was admitted to the ICU after his symptoms were not improving and he needed closer monitoring. He did not require to be put on a ventilator, however he did require a different type of breathing support machine called CPAP. This stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure and it essentially uses mild pressure to keep the airways continuously open and push oxygen into them. It doesn't require sedation and so patients are awake with these CPAP masks over their face. So what is the personal protective equipment like in the intensive care unit? Now all the ICU team members must wear a large blue gown that covers their front and their back, at least one pair of gloves, a tight-fitting specific mask, goggles to cover their eyes, and a visor or essentially a face shield protect, to protect their eyes and their face. 
that the team members must wear this at all times when they are inside the unit and they must remove it each time in a specific order when they step out of the unit and then they have to don a fresh set when they re-enter. Now having worn all of this PPE for a short period of time on one of the wards over the weekend, I really commend the staff who have to wear it for hours on end. It feels very claustrophobic, it makes you sweat, the mask is tightly pressed onto your cheeks which can leave red marks as I'm sure you've seen in the media and it can get uncomfortable very quickly. The final question to consider is are all patients suitable to go to the intensive care unit if they deteriorate on the ward? Now, the simple answer to this is no, not all patients are suitable for ICU if they need closer monitoring and specialist treatment that can't be done on the ward. However, it is not as trivial as this. So when a patient is in A&E or on the ward and it is clear that they are deteriorating, then quick, effective and difficult decisions need to be made about their escalation plan. So essentially what happens to them next. Now as a junior doctor working on the medical team, let's say that I get called to see a patient who's becoming more unwell. The normal steps are that I go and assess that patient and then if I think that they are deteriorating and I need some senior input, then I will call my senior doctor, most often the medical registrar, who will come up and assess that patient. If together we feel that the patient's requirements will not be managed fully on a ward, then we may contact the ICU team to see if they can take over the patient's care. The ICU team will make this decision based on numerous factors, including a patient's age, their pre-existing medical conditions, their normal functional baseline, and other, other factors. So let's say a patient is 60 years old with no underlying health problems and a good functional baseline, then they'd be a strong candidate for transfer to ICU because the chances of making them better are high. Whereas, let's say we have a 90-year-old patient with underlying health problems like heart disease, diabetes, COPD, things like that, then they are unlikely to go to ICU because putting a tube down them for ventilation would not be in their best interest. It's also really important to remember that patients must be involved in this decision-making wherever possible. They must be informed about the potential decision to transfer them to ICU. And sometimes the patient themselves may even say that they do not want to be transferred. So those patients who are 90 plus may turn around and say, you know what, I've had a good life, I don't want to end up in the ICU with tubes down my throat. And ultimately you have to respect their decision because at the end of the day, patient autonomy is paramount. A short gloss over the intensive care unit. I hope you found it useful. I hope it's cleared any misconceptions that you may have had about what goes on in the intensive care unit. Now we really appreciate everyone who has been listening to our episodes so far. Please do leave some feedback, tell us your thoughts, tell us other topics that you'd like us to talk about. Please subscribe to the channel and share our episodes with your family and your friends. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay clean and stay at home. See you next time.